This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the View from the Cop podcast. Seven wins from seven, top of the Premier League and off to a flyer in the Champions League. Liverpool could not be in a better position going into a mouth-rotting run of matches before the next international break. I'm your host, Paul Wheelock, and to look ahead to the doubleheader with Chelsea, the trip to Napoli and the visit of Manchester City to Anfield, I'm delighted to be joined by season ticket holders, Sean Bradbury. Hello. Dan Kay. Hello there. And Paul Fielding. Good afternoon. Oh, it's not, not, not as posh as you did in the, uh, in the warm-up. Uh, but we'll start with a look back on Saturday's 3-0 win over Southampton, if that's all right. Uh, it maintained Liverpool's perfect start to the season. So, lads, was, was the fact that it was so routine which just made it all the more impressive? Yeah, I, I think that was absolutely part of it. I mean, it, it was weird, wasn't it? And it felt, in a way, it felt like we only watched half a game, given how how easy we were able to take it in the second half. But, but like you say, in the context of this run, it was it was another game that was worth another three points. Uh, we had to take it seriously, and and we did obviously in the first half, um, and and in the second, it was just such a professional way to see it out. But um, I just think it, in in given the point at which this fell after we made a really good start to this tricky run, um, won won those big games. Uh, and then this this one comes around. We make a few changes, um, but th- th- the job was done. I think it was it was really good. That he was able to have a little look at that that slightly tweaked formation. Um, Shakiri's been chomping at the bit for a start, and he, he took it with both hands, played brilliantly, um, and it was a nice little kind of preview, hopefully, of him, him having a good game tomorrow. But yeah, there was just there was there was a, just a, a lot to like about the game, and um, and what we did in the second half. You know, it was it was kind of strange seeing that. Like it was just. I think Southampton were, and especially at the end of the first half, they were they were all right, and you know Van Dijk and Gomez were kind of called upon to to um, repel a few attacks. But I don't think I've ever seen as a second a whole half that was as much of a stroll as that as that felt like. Um, but you know, sometimes you might at certain stages of the season you might think, oh well, what you know, what, what are we watching in? You know, some people might think they want they want to see four, five, six go in, but. Like you say, we, it's a double header against Chelsea. Then we're we're off to Napoli. We've, we've got City. I think everyone in the ground could see could see the context of of of, um, of the you know the position we're in at the moment and the importance of just um, keeping everyone ready and fresh for that. And yeah, it's just it's it was fantastic to see. Peter Hooten was on the Blood Red podcast on Monday. If you've not listened to it, definitely do and, and check out his new book as well. Fantastic uh, new book about the Boot Run Boys, but. He was saying that Saturday reminded me, reminded him of the 80s, you know, where you, you go to the game and you almost have that supreme confidence that mm-hmm. the team are going to get the job done. Dan, you're probably like me who did watch yeah. football in the 80s yeah. and went to the game in the 80s. Do you understand where he's coming from there? Yeah, I was going to say, Puto's definitely got a, cu- a couple of years on, on me, but not, <laughs> not, not that many. Um, you know, when I, I started to go in mid-80s and it did very much have that feel of the word I used used over the weekend to be was, was pleasingly routine. You know, there were no dramas. There was nothing uh, to kind of you know out of the ordinary that that could have caused any any problems along the way. It, I, mean, also, I suppose the only kind of slight fly in the ointment was was the injury to Van Dijk, mm. uh, which which obviously we imagine will will come on to soon. Looking at you know at this chunk of games, this one in the middle against Southampton did seem to have like banana skin written all over it. Um, I mean, we talked about Man City a fair bit this morning, and I suppose the, the the contrast between their opening Champions League game at home to Lyon and ours at home to Paris. Very easy to get yourself up for a big game against Paris, big game at, at Wembley against Tottenham. Obviously, the big games in the you know the very near future for Liverpool. Home to Southampton on a, you know a, a, an enjoyably rare Saturday three o'clock kickoff. You, you, I did have that feeling that that. Um, 
I hope we don't take it. We don't take it too easily. But I was pleased that he mixed the squad up. I pleased he brought Shakiri in, and obviously we'd like to see a few more of the others tomorrow um, against Chelsea. I didn't think Southampton was bad as <clears throat> as the scoreline necessarily mm. made them. And I think you know, having seen the game, there were three or four opportunities in that first half when they they caused us a couple of problems, and they looked like they might score a goal. But I think the difference between this Liverpool team and a Liverpool team of even a couple of years ago is that. Once they get a stranglehold on a game, they're so good and effective at taking it away from the opposition quickly and demoralising them. And I think that's what Liverpool did. You know, it, it, could, Liverpool could have gone in a hard time, say four two up, could have scored a few more goals, but the Southampton could certainly have got one or two. But by getting the goals when they did at the times that they did, it just it seemed to just crush the spirit out of Southampton, and it was almost as if. Well, I think Mark Hughes virtually admitted to himself second half really was a damage limitation exercise as yeah. far as he was concerned. Um, but the Reds, go, the Reds go marching on, and I, I can remember years and years ago one of my worst experiences with Liverpool at Old Trafford when we lost four 0 on Grand National Day. Hippie was sent off after five minutes in a red card. I'm sure it was just before United had a Champions League quarter final against something uh, against someone the, the following midweek. And I remember Alex Ferguson's comments after the game. Just add at this point how great it was to see him back at Old Trafford on Saturday. I mean, he was certainly wasn't my favourite person growing up, but. Um, I think any true football man could, you know, wouldn't would, would wish him only well in his recovery. And it was great to see that. I do remember Fergie saying after that game, it was great for us in terms of Wednesday because we were able to play without running. And I remember thinking, God, what an insult to us that is. Mm. But but he wasn't wrong either. It was so easy for them. And while I, I wouldn't necessarily say that Liverpool were coasting through the second half, they were able to manage it very effectively and hopefully still have plenty in the tank for obviously the big tests that lie ahead. Paul, what do you make of it all? It's a win that I've been desperate to see who's, who's get this season. Like, apart from West Ham at home, where we were, we were out the traps quickly and absolutely battered them, a lot of the results have been a bit of a grind. So to win so convincingly without even... We didn't even get into into first gear by the sounds of it. It was neutral. I ran at the game on um, Saturday. I, I was stuck in here, sadly. <laughs> But uh, speaking to a few of the lads and watching the highlights on match of the day and whatnot, it seemed like it was the first routine victory of the season. Hopefully there's many more to come. Like Brighton the other week should have been that kind of routine win. And yeah, it's it was just exactly what we needed at the right time going into, apart from tomorrow night's game, three big, big, big games. Um yeah, and it's it's great to see if you'd like the lads who haven't really been getting a chance, like Shakiri coming into the side and getting well, only forty five minutes, but it's forty five minutes they're better off. And hopefully you'll get more playing time tomorrow night against Chelsea. It just shows that the we've got the options there as well and we can we 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 have a plan B of trying something different with a different formation. So yeah, it's, I think it's the win I've been desperate to see out of all them so far this season. Mm. It sounds crazy with seven wins from seven and absolutely flying in the league and in the Champions League, but have Liverpool got out of second or third gear yet this season? I don't think there's many times where you could say you could say we have. I mean, I don't know that the, what we say was the biggest test we've had, maybe maybe the last 10 against uh, PSG, we really had to up it, didn't we? Um, but I don't, I don't think so. I, I think, I don't think we've seen it yet. There's been spells where there's it's been There's been spells. Like... I mean, I, I would say the kind of like the 15, 20 minutes after half-time against Tottenham. 
yeah. <clears throat> chatting to uh, staying down with, with the mates who's a Tottenham fan didn't go to the game in the end and we, we chatting half time just after half time I remember saying to him really feels like the next 10-15 minutes will be very decisive here and if you remember the game Spurs did come out after the break looking to get back on terms you know, Lamella had a big chance that he put against the post but it's you know the encouraging thing about this team you know I don't think anyone would say that they've been operating at full throttle yet by any stretch of the imagination. But the encouraging thing is that when they've needed to raise the game, they, they've been able to. Now, obviously, they're going to need to raise it on more and frequent occasions as the season progresses. Um, and there'll be occasions when they're not able to. And, yeah, listen, I'd, I'd love to think that we're going to win 38 league games and 25 cup games or whatever it'll be. But realistically, that's unlikely to happen. That doesn't mean to say that we can't all have the season that we're looking for. And it's <clears throat> there just seems to be that that strength, that resilience, that desire to mm. them at the moment, that whatever challenge is put in front of them, they will find the solution to it. Mm. I think the fact as well that the Saturday that it came off the back of the, of the Champions League win when it's it's so so easy to have that hangover and underperform. You know, look at uh, um, what's it? You know, in Europe, United and um, Chelsea at the weekend not getting not getting three points on the back of it. But I love the fact we've we've overcome one of those tests, and obviously there's five more, and hopefully more beyond that to come. But we've done that already early on in the start. Did we only win one out of six after yeah. group? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. wasn't good at all, was it? And and the other one for me is the um, not not so much this week, but the the early kickoffs. Like our record on them has been pretty yeah. atrocious, hasn't it so far on the clock? And we've had what? So two half twelves and a half one, and yeah. obviously we've won them all. So you know it's um, just it's looking good in, in many respects so far. Anfield itself, you know, we've talked on this podcast and <clears throat> many other podcasts about the the atmosphere the fans create, particularly on European nights. But I, I was just doing some stats today and I, Liverpool have not lost at home in the league since April 2017, that mm-hmm. game against Palace and Benteke got into two, wasn't it, that, that yep. day? Mm-hmm. Uh, Allardyce in charge of them, was, of that lot, wasn't he? And the record since then in the league, t- play 24, won 16, drawn eight, which made me think Joey Barton's comments today were, <laughs> were all the more perplexing. I don't know if you've seen them and he... he he was trying to do an argument whereby Liverpool fans get up for Champions League games and that's why the club will always do well in that competition. And it's not the case at home. The record suggests that's not true. But what did you make of him? Barton's, Barton's comments. comments, yeah. Do, do you <clears throat> think there is that difference when you know you, you go to the game? It doesn't seem to be affecting the team. I mean, I, you can never... A Saturday afternoon kickoff against Southampton is never going to have the same atmosphere as a... Champions League game under lights against Paris Saint-Germain and you know I, th- I think certainly uh, these early kickoffs can sometimes have an, have an effect I think it's very much a case of horses for courses I mean some of the best atmospheres I've heard in recent years have been in league games mm. the Man City game at the start of January I'd say the Tottenham game which is only a couple of weeks after that the one that ended 2-2 I think when Anfield can still be asked, it's more than up for it but you know, it's it's a standard thing in the Premier League now to you know to hear the opposition fans saying, "Oh, it's oh so quiet, it's like a library and all, all that kind of business," and you never want to get too kind of hoity-toity or snobby about it. But realistically, you know, every football match is important, and you know, I, I I always try to have the same kind of mentality as I had when I was a kid, and that going to any match is a privilege and a pleasure and should be absolutely appreciated as such. But the reality is, when you've been going for as long as we all have, which is decades. There is an element of routine to it at times, of Mm. of going through the motions. And that's where, certainly from a playing point of view, professionalism comes into it. And maybe even from a supporting point of view, I mean, didn't Bill Shankly say years ago, Liverpool supporters are the best supporters in the game, they're professional football supporters. And I I think there has been certainly a concerted effort in 
recent years, because the Huckley League Championship has become such a holy grail, to realise that we can't just limit our, we can't we can't only just get up for for European games. We've got to try and create as as good an atmosphere as we can for league games as well. But you've got to be realistic as well. There is always a certain element of kind of fatigue and saturation coverage, and there's also a certain element of of, of chicken and egg. And I think. By and large, I think that the team and the fans do seem to be largely on the same page as each other. And when the team needs a lift, the fans are usually able to provide it. And vice versa. I think players are now aware that kind of like, particularly for the for, for these league games, they've got to they've got to give the ch- the crowd the chance to get into it. Whether that means throwing a tackle in mm. or closing down Andy Robertson style, um, everyone's everyone's got to be in it together. And I mean, Joey Barton, I'm not sure there's too many people that take an awful lot of what he says <laughs> that seriously yeah. uh, with the greatest will and uh, with the greatest respect to him um, and you know he's, he's managing at Fleetwood nowadays so he's got himself a few headlines there and, and, and good luck to him but <clears throat> I think anyone that's coming to Anfield this season whether it's for a league game a Champions League game a Carabao Cup game whatever um, will know that they'll be will know that they'll have been in for a game by the time they're getting off yeah, it says a lot about what Klopp's done in, in coming up to the three-year anniversary, aren't we, of, uh, of his appointments in Liverpool. Paul, the fact that now it is such a... We throw that word uh, fortress around, it's a bit of a cliche, but it's so true, isn't it, at the moment? It is, yeah. I saw a tweet doing around after the PSG game that it's been over four four seasons or something in Europe that we haven't lost at home as well, mm. which is crazy, really. Um Oh, not four seasons, sorry, four years because it was Madrid, it was Real Madrid who yeah. was the last team. And well, looking back at that night at Anfield and how that was treated by some of our supporters, it was like they turned up to just enjoy watching Real Madrid. Mm. And well, we had terrible, shocking pictures of people taking selfies with Ronaldo by the side of the pitch, and it's like. Not exactly a cauldron, was it? Which is funny, isn't it? Because you see the photo from the Champions League game last week yeah. with the ball boy, and there was not a, there was Fantastic. not one with a phone, wasn't it? It was just like yeah, a, image, yeah. something from a better time, wasn't yeah. it? You know, which is what you should be all about living oh, the moment. Exactly, one hundred percent. And like the celebration for me, knows goal. You'd be absolutely devastated if you're just stood there with a phone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Record or if you got off with it. I mean, yeah, the, yeah quite a few. Are, me, I remember saying. Fell on my left, on my left, got off, and it looks like they're right. Imagine getting off now. Five minutes to go, two-two. A European night at Anfield, something's going to happen. You and, just and had what, that yeah, feeling. There was a few, and it was kind of like well, I was a bit disappointed when PSG equalised, like, but still, I, I was staggered. Mm. That was one of the uh, that talking about that end that moment. That was one of the best I can remember. Like po- just immediately post-final whistle moments for a while, it felt like the the whole celebration just carried into like yeah. the five ten minutes after. You know, you're walking out buzzing. But yeah, on 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 the whole atmosphere thing, it's well, the, the lads have covered the points. It's it's kickoff times is a big factor. Caliber of opposition. I mean, best one in the world. And no disrespect to the, the the three teams we played at home in the league so far, but it will be rocking for City. City yeah. is a bigger yeah. deal, isn't it? It's just it's just how it is. And like every whilst it's not knockout football, obviously in the group stage, it gets to that stage potentially in the group stage and of the Champions League and. The games are more meaningful. They, they, they matter, and if you know, obviously, if we get to the stage and fingers crossed, we all want this. The next March onwards, you know, we, we're in the title race. Every single game in the league at home and away is going to count, and every single atmosphere will be great. I mean, if we think back to what thirteen, fourteen, oh eight, oh nine, the the, the runnings were. I'd say that that's the point where you could say that the league and the Champions League atmosphere is kind of meet. Oh dear, you know, it's obviously it's, it's not. I think is is comment. It's it's much more nuanced than league versus Champions League, and one's yeah. good, one's bad. You know, 
I think I want to all kick off at half five on a Saturday. <laughs> yeah. Because there's enough time to have a good drink before. The- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because like in the start of November, we've got Fulham on a Sunday afternoon. 12, 12 o'clock, 12 o'clock. isn't it? 12, 12 yeah. That's, that's 12 ridiculous. Uh, that is hard to get up for. Yeah. I, I don't care what anybody I mean, says. It's hard for us to get up for and we'll be spending an hour or so travelling. What about the Fulham supporters who've got to leave London? Well, they won't be able to get a train, really. absolutely outrageous. They won't be able to get a train. Is it on the telly, that one? It is, I isn't it? I think it's part of one I'm guessing it's one of those days when they want... When they three. want to do three games, yeah. twelve. Two, two and you know and what? Four. As an armchair fan, sound. We all like watching. We all like a nice lazy hungover Sunday watching the footy. But there's enough football fixtures not to willfully inconvenience mm. football supporters like that. It's absolutely disgraceful, and it should not be allowed. And you know, the powers that be, supporters groups, PFA, fans groups, everyone has to get has to put a stop to this. It's, it's not on. Just to it's, it's counterbalance that, no, 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 it's fine, absolutely, totally agree with you, but the, the ticket prices, we covered it on a recent podcast we yeah. did with the Spine Cop lads, didn't we? But really good to see, Fiverr for kids tomorrow night on Wednesday mm. against Chelsea, want to see more of that? Yeah, I'm expecting a totally different atmosphere to any that we've had in years for Anfield, just because it's so affordable for families is to go. Is it sold out? It's completely yeah, it's sold out. It's a great opportunity for the next generation of Liverpool fans to... Not only go to Anfield to watch Liverpool, but it's a big game. Liverpool versus Chelsea, no matter what competition, it's a big game. So for them to get that opportunity and to witness Anfield under the lights and everything that goes with that, it's perfect for them. And hopefully it get like it's it gives them the bug of wanting to go more often. Liverpool may look at tomorrow night and see like all these young lads and, and girls like enjoying themselves and be like we need a bit more of this. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Before we come on to that Chelsea game, just want to have a quick uh, chat about Mo Salah. Obviously, he's been talking a lot of conjecture lately, but he's, he, we know he thrives at Anfield. I think that's 30 goals in 31 games at the ground now. There was a talk a bit of a crisis of confidence, but was that talk Finished, ever coming from with, within Liverpool? Or do you think that was kind of a way, talking outside, to say maybe, maybe to bring Liverpool and Salah down? No doubt about it. Yeah, we, it there's, um, you, we always know we're doing something right if the usual suspects are trying to mm. throw a smoke in the wheels, aren't they? And, um, the times you worry is when you've got the likes of Alex Ferguson and others patting you on your head and saying how wonderful you are because that's when they don't see you as a threat. Um, I think we've spoken about it before. It was always going to be... He was never going to carry on exactly where he left off last season because of everything that happened between from stepping onto the pitch at Kiev and the World Cup and everything else. But he still very much played his part in the swathe of fear and damage that that front three of ours just caused yeah. in any opposition. And even if he hasn't been bashing in five goals a game, he's a constant threat. His movement is interchanging with Sadio Mane and Robert and Roberto Firmino, make them an absolute handful for whoever they face. You could see written all over his face that he was relieved to score because he's a, he's a goal scorer mm. and goals, you know, goals are oxygen to them. And, you know, there, there was ridiculous amount made of the... Uh, his so-called throwing of the bottle down against in the aftermath of the goal against against Paris Saint-Germain. I mean, I, I think the, the, an element of that partly will have been frustration that he his errant pass nearly cost us the game. He wouldn't have been like substituted a bit straight after that. But you don't want players who are happy to come off the field, who are happy not to have scored the goal. You know, they're all saying, "Show me a good loser, and I'll show you a loser." And um, you know, it, it was it, it, you could see, you could tell from the pictures afterwards how. What it meant to him to get a goal, even if it was a, a tap in virtually from on the goal line, but um, 
he was just, just started to be the odd sign here and there that he's starting to get back to that sharpness. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's still another month or so before we see him at the absolute mm. top level again. But what a prospect that is. Yeah. There's a game coming where Liverpool's front three and Liverpool are going to click and Salah's going to click. Mm. It, like, And yeah. he'll, it'll be a 5 6 nil win and he'll get two, maybe three of them. Yeah. Feels it's like coming. it's on the cards, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. Um, especially after that Southampton game where he was, you know, like you say, he's, he's getting in the positions. It's and, and it's exactly how he started last season. And despite that, he still had three and six in the league, hasn't he? And, and an Which assist is the same as last season, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and I think part of it as well, like, like you said before, we know about is it internal or is it kind of an external thing? I think a lot of the the other top strikers, the contenders for the golden boot, if you like, have started well, haven't he? You know, Lukaku's got four, has he, in the league? Aguero's had his little haul and he's, he's on four. Kane's shook off that thing where he, he, he's um, less than yeah. Um, so everyone looks like they're going to challenge him this season. And I guess if if there is an, an internal factor, it was, and it pretty much all stems from those first couple of games where look like people are just going to really double up on Salah this season, and and then it made space for the others in the front three. Mane bags a couple, and then it's like suddenly that puts a little bit of pressure on Salah in a way. But it it, it just looks absolutely fine, doesn't he? And I think what Paul says right. Um, there hasn't been a game where I mean, how many games where the, the whole front three either assisted or scored or they all played well last season? You must be talking 15 20 probably. Mm. And we, it doesn't feel like we quite have one of them yet, but we will. It's it's coming. He was in London on Monday night to pick up the Puskas Award. Best goal in the world last season. But was it even his best goal last <laughs> oh, season? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think we had this conversation, me and Sean had this conversation yeah. in the office. And I think we both said this. Second against Tottenham in the league. Yeah. But then I, I started having to think, and his header against Bournemouth. Yeah, the chip at Man City. Yeah, yeah. so many. Some of the Champions League ones. There's, there's loads to choose from, isn't there? Yeah. The one at Porto when he yeah. dribbles it on the line. Um, yeah, it's volley it, against Stoke. It, it, yeah, we need to take your pick. We, we, we could be here all day picking and pulling any, you know, virtually all of the 44 goals that he got last season apart. What was strange about that um, award as well was that somehow he wasn't able to be in. The, he, he didn't find the places the FIFA World Even 11. He was top three in the world yeah. overall. Yeah. yeah, so I'm not entirely <laughs> sure how, how the uh, the geniuses that be that work that work these things out. But like you know, like you mentioned before, it, it's I did see a couple of things on social media last night with a few people's heads falling off uh, about Salah getting that, as opposed to say you know Gareth Bale or Ronaldo, some of the overhead kicks that went on. The fact is, Liverpool are being talked of in these circles again, and some people don't like it, and that mm. can only be a good thing from our point <laughs> of view. From individual silverware to team silverware, Carabao Cup Wednesday night, Chelsea, which we touched on a little bit. I've got a few stats for you there from a journalist called Richard Jolly, and he says three of the last five winners, Man City in 2014 and 2018, and Chelsea in 2015, have gone on to become league champions in the same year that they've won the League Cup. And Liverpool have also combined winning the League Cup with the European Cup in 81 and 84, the league in 82, 83, and 84, and the UEFA Cup and the FA Cup in 2001. So, is this a tournament and competition Liverpool should be targeting for the the first trophy under Klopp? I would definitely definitely say so. I mean that that and that your last sentence there is exactly why I think we, we look we look strong in the other competitions. Obviously, have the great start in the league and Champions League, but we haven't won a trophy under Klopp. It's been what 2012 since we last won one. It it's 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 a bit of a drought. Um, okay, this is a, this is a big first game, even though it's a, at home, it's a tricky first game. But win this one, and you know we've knocked out one of the other main teams. Who you'd say would have a good chance of winning it. And hopefully be rewarded with a with a slightly easier uh, game in the next round. I think that that's one of the things we you know me and Paul were talking about before that is in some people's minds. It's when when the next game comes and it, it's another part of the fixture pile up. But I, I think we've got the depth to deal with it now. You know all the all the changes he's made so far. 
either you know for starting 11s or substitutions in games have, have been good. Everyone look everyone looks good. You know he says about storage. He's as fit as he's seen him. Uh, Shakiri just is, is just playing out of his skin every time we see him and bursting for opportunities. We obviously we want to see more of Fabinho and Keita. And I, I want us to go far in this competition, not only to win a trophy, but just to, to see more of them. Because um, obviously, if, if we're unlucky with injuries, we will see more of them. But we've got a lot of players in the squad, and I think that you know they, they need games as well, as much as we we want to see silverware. And so yeah, I, I hope it's obviously a, a mixed team tomorrow. I don't want it to be a, a full first eleven, but I want to see a few of the few of the main main fellas. It's a tricky one, isn't it? Because. Um... You know, Liverpool Football Club exists to win trophies. That's what's instilled in us virtually from the from the cradle. And like as you pointed out, Paul, you know, it, it I think there was a stage maybe ten to fifteen, twenty years ago when you could look at the winners of the domestic cups and it and it and you could tell that some of the big clubs were cutting their cloth accordingly. Doesn't really seem to be you know, doesn't seem to be the case now. You know, the, the, I think apart from Swansea, maybe twenty twelve or twenty thirteen. All the recent winners of the League Cup have been United, City, Chelsea, Arsenal, um, and you know the old the old adage of success breeds success. I think you know is is over you know the kind of thing that makes me think. Well, we just want to keep winning. I mean, at the same time, I do appreciate where I mean, fully we were talking about this before, so I think I know what Paul's going to respond <laughs> with shortly. Um, we we have seen scenarios when it can get a bit. The problem I've got with the, with the, the League Cup, we don't need two legged semi finals anymore. Um, you know, is is it the League Cup or the FA Cup now? Where they've actually done away with extra time, go straight to penalties. It did the, the League, League Cup, Cup tomorrow night. So, 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 that, so, so that is now in the League Cup, and yeah. yet this season is there still a two legged semi final? Yes. Yeah. Well, that's ridiculous. That kind mm. of that, that completely contradicts itself, then, doesn't it? Yeah. And I think. I just, I just, you know, I can remember, you know, for years gone by, I remember us playing Warsaw in 84 and there's been, you know, Palace in 95. There's been some really interesting, particularly in seasons when you haven't had a European tie. The, it, you know, the two-legged element does bring that kind of extra bit of glitz, I suppose, to it. I just think in this day and age, when we're all talking about burnout of players and how much do they play and we're never going to get away from, there's too much money to be made. You're never going to get less than 20 teams in the Premier League, I don't think. But things like cup replays, and I love cut replays, but, but I mean, I'd get rid of second leg semis before cut replays. Second leg semi is, is just a nonsense, particularly when it's not in any other round of the competition. So I think you can pretty much guarantee Chelsea are going, to, are going to play a mixed team as well, particularly obviously with the two teams playing in the league at the weekend. It's a strange little parallel that this time last year we had Leicester in the League Cup and again with them at the weekend, obviously both games were at the, um, in, the, in the East Midlands then. But I want Liverpool to win. Always, but yeah, I want Liverpool to win always. But if we go out tomorrow night and then go and beat City and Chelsea in the league, then happy days, isn't it? Like, I, I'm fully invested in the league campaign this season. That's like, that's the one I want. Um, so for me, I just rest all the, all the big names tomorrow. Not played the kids, but played the lads who were on the fringe, the likes of Fabinho and Kaiser, who hasn't had as many minutes as I think we all thought he would have mm-hmm. by now. Um, if we go through happy days, if we go out, I'll be gutted, but I won't be fuming about it because it's just one less thing to worry about. Go ahead and look ahead sorry, to uh, Chelsea and Man City in the league, the two games after the Chelsea Carabao Cup tie. We were having a discussion yesterday in the office, weren't we, about yeah. a, a points target? And I'll come back to you again, Paul, because you had made an interesting point. 
what what should Liverpool be looking for from the trip to Stamford Bridge and then the visit to City? Well, obviously the three points, but if you were to offer me three points out of the two games or two points out of the two games, I'd take the two points. It's like this sounds ridiculous because more points means you more likely to win the title, but but it's the fact that they wouldn't have taken points off us, like which could be crucial in April May. So get the six points, get the four points, get the two points, get the three points, <laughs> and forget about no points. That's the order. <laughs> Dan, um, well. They're two massive matches, aren't they? Um, Chelsea, Chelsea's a big one. And to be honest, I'm feeling really, really confident about Liverpool's chances there, primarily because I'm not going. <laughs> <laughs> I, went, I, went, I went, to the league, went to the league game in May, uh, which I think was the first game after the Rome semi-final. Yeah. And I counted up on the way down. That was my 10th visit as Liverpool supporters to Stamford Bridge. Never seen us win once. You won't be back if you went on Saturday. So a combination, <laughs> a combination of that and the Ryder Cup being on the weekend. Plus, I've got a couple of bits to do in the morning meant that I declined to go. Um, and virtually every time I've not... You know, Liverpool actually don't have that bad a record at Stamford Bridge in recent years. Basically, every time I haven't gone, they've won. So... There you are, folks. Get your mortgages on Liverpool to beat Chelsea at the weekend. <laughs> um, obviously, then we've got you know we've got a very tricky trip uh, to the south of Italy in midweek to play Napoli in the Champions League. City will be also travel. City go to Russia, Donetsk. Is that yes. what they've got? Half yeah. an hour, I think, is it? Oh, oh maybe it's away, like, yeah. Yeah. but it's still an away trip. And obviously, they're under you know even bigger pressure in Europe, having already lost the first game. Yeah. Um, they're all massive. You know, it, it, having only. Uh, what the first six games only really top them, I suppose that you'd say would, would be a, a game against one of a, a top a tier, a big contender. We've now got these two back to back, and it does feel significant. Um, I'm inclined, you know, I can see where Paul is very much coming from with you know just get through it unscathed um, because psychologically you don't want it's not just losing the points, losing you know it's the other lot getting mentally. Uh, one up on you. I always think back to that 2013-14 season where we came so same, close to winning the league. Same scenario and just after Christmas. The two games in between Christmas and New Year, well, even harder, were City away and Chelsea away. We both lost both games narrowly 2-1 and then lost the league by four points. Um, but the fixture list is the fixture list. Yeah, I, I think, we, haven't we got like City and Arsenal over Christmas this year as well? We, we, we've got quite an arduous festive oh, programme as well. I, I'm not too sure. I know we've got Arsenal home and I know the Derby, United and Arsenal are all in, they're all in yeah. December. Uh, either way, the, the you know the bar as, as we've talked about in recent weeks, the bar has been raised um, to win. You know to have a serious shot of winning the league, you need to be looking at ninety plus points. Liverpool have made the perfect start, eighteen from six, but we need to keep that ticking over. Um, and I think you know in a fortnight's time, once these two matches have been played, I think we'll have a a much closer idea in terms of how likely Liverpool are to stay the course. Hmm. Um, I, I, for me, I don't know how the, the, the club and the, the players and Klopp and the staff break it down, whether they look at you know little targets of three or four games or what, what they do at, at this stage of the season. But I, I, surely, what, whatever they do, we're ahead of the target that they would have set because you know, we've won every single game. Um, and before the season, I remember we did a part in saying, I just hope that we're in striking distance to City when it comes to that City game. And it just feels like we've, obviously, you know, you don't want to lose against Chelsea, but it feels like we've got a free hit now 
in that respect because we will be even if we lose against Chelsea if we beat City we'll go ahead of City won't we if, yeah, if I'm right thinking yeah. so uh, you know I, I just think I, I, I hope that obviously we want to keep the, the winning run going but I hope we kind of play with the pressure off a little bit in these games because um, you know we're, do, we're doing so well that I just like, think we're ahead, we're ahead of kind of ahead of schedule ahead of target so far just before we wrap up, I want to talk about the rivalry with, with Chelsea, and particularly Man City. Chelsea's rivalry, it came about the Benitez, the Mourinho era, the, the games in the Champions League, the, the domestic cups. But City particularly seem to want to make a rivalry with Liverpool more than ever now. What, what, as Liverpool fans, you go to game, you've seen the games against City last season. What do you reckon? There's no rivalry there. Not on my behalf, anyway. <laughs> They're trying so hard to push this rivalry, but no. They're just Manchester City. I've actually been writing something about this today, which hopefully will will be going online in the next couple of days. It's um, nothing kills them more than indifference, and there is there is a very strong parallel between Liverpool and Chelsea. Remember when when Chelsea kind of burst onto the scene with Abramovich's money? Some people, friends of mine anyway, labelled them kind of like lottery winners, um, and I could see very much where they were coming from. Even with United, even though the, obviously the depth of feeling and rivalry burns very fiercely there. There is a kind of grudging respect that everything they've done, their whole position in the game, is based on what they've achieved as a football club. Whereas City and Chelsea really just had have just had handouts. You know, just had they've just kind of snatched the golden ticket. I think another factor in it as well is that um, with Chelsea in two thousand and five, and certainly with City last year, we kind of reigned all over their Championship parade. Um, you know, they, they were on the brink of clinching the title last year, and I'm sure had real strong, serious hopes of getting to their first ever European Cup final, which obviously is something they've never done before. And then we smashed them 5-1 over two <laughs> games. And I think that's, yeah, that's why City fans and Chelsea fans, even though know, they are traditional about, oh, all you've got is your history. But they're desperate to get a piece of that history. And until they get themselves up on a par with it, that's why they're so desperate to provoke a reaction. But I think, like like Paul said, you know, the <coughs> it, it takes a lot more than a big checkbook and a couple of pots here and there to create a genuine bona fide relationship, the likes of which Liverpool have with Everton and Manchester United and other clubs in Europe and have a, have a, have had over years. If City and Chelsea want to create that kind of rivalry, then they're going to have to be here, be here year in, year out, decade in, decade out, and you know, come back and talk to us in 20 years. Yeah, I think you can't argue with what I've had to say there. It's never going to be a rivalry on the level of Everton or United. It just it just can't be. That's so ingrained. And but I, I want it. I actually want it to become as close as it could be without without being on that level. Purely because that will hopefully then mean us and them are going on it for the league over the next few seasons. And I think there's Dan's hinted at a lot of the factors there. And you know, Klopp and Guardiola have got a bit of history between them as well. Um, you just look at the games last season. You know, two games in the league that were two of the maddest best, most high-scoring games to crack and ties, obviously. <laughs> we, we would say that as Liverpool fans, but you know, deep, deep uh, in the later stages of the Champions League that were, were brilliant and memorable. Um, yeah, and, and, and if it's us and them providing two of the most entertaining uh, teams and, and, and competing for honours over the next few seasons, I think it kind of does go up a notch. It becomes, like I say, not, not, a, not a rivalry that we'd would kind of consume you like a Liverpool uh, or Everton or a United thing does, but as close as it can be to that, I would say. Did, did, 
City fans almost let you down the Champions League last season because in both legs they just they didn't seem to grasp the, the the magnitude of it or they don't seem to grasp that in the Champions League at all themselves do they you know like they've got this fabulous team all the money in the world mm-hmm. they, they, there's a good chance they will win it maybe under Guardiola in the coming some years point, you'd be they don't seem to, don't seem to enjoy it do they I, I wonder what's happened to their hardcore support because I always think back to 20 odd years ago when they were had you know Playing in the, th- in the third tier of English football, having got relegated with the likes of JV Pollock and Andy Morrison. Uh, Andy Morrison, like so absolute dregs that they had there. But they were still getting 30,000, they were still getting massive crowds. I remember when they went up against Gillingham, feeling genuinely made up for them. And to be honest, even 10 years ago, nine years ago, whenever it was, when they got taken over, thinking, well, if ever there's a, you know, a long suffering set of supporters that deserves a break, it's probably them. And yet, you know, anyone that listens to the radio in the Northwest will be well familiar with the radio adverts that City Manchester City often put out, particularly trying to entice people into the European mm. game. I believe they didn't even open some of the tiers in the Etihad last week. I think they, I looked up the crowd just before, it was just over 40,000. I was also think back to those last couple of games in 2013-14 when they had two home games, including a game in hand against Villa, Villa um, to kind of, you know, to, to, to capitalise on our slips. And they couldn't sell that out either. And I was thinking, God, if that was us, there'd be queues yeah. halfway into town for Manfield. So uh, you just wonder, has, have some of their dedicated diehard fans from back in the day jibbed it? And they've got... Because obviously, I like, they've got a bigger ground now. But they should, you know, the inevitable... It's an, ever, an inevitable part of being a successful club or having coming into success. You get new fans, you get new, new supporters. We've had it. Chelsea, City, United. Anyone that's, that's successful, you're always going to get a couple... You know, People that attach themselves to the club, but that should be in that should be supplementing your original support. And it does seem like that some of theirs has fallen away, and it's it's hard to understand because, like you say, Paul, you know they are. You know, I've, I've got a lot. Of, I really like Guardiola. I really like a lot of their players. I've got always had a lot of time for them as a club. To be honest, often kind of felt a bit sorry for them having to share the city with that other lot. <laughs> but they just you know they, they they seem to have lost their kind of sense of self a little bit in, in recent years. Man City, Man City as a set of supporters and um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that kind of plays out over the coming seasons round off with a, a ground that is going to be atmospheric oh, uh, yes. a week on Wednesday <laughs> Paul you're going aren't you I to, am, yes. to Napoli we've, we've got to have a quick talk about that before we round, wrap off because we won't be back until after the Napoli game it should be one supporters enjoy but it's also one that you know is, is fraught with danger isn't it going to Italy going to Naples midweek game of the Champions League yeah um it's going to be interesting. Like, <laughs> I think it's the best way to describe it. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. it. Should be a load of fun. Um, obviously, safety first and whatnot over there. Um, on the pitch, I think I think we're just a lot better than them, aren't we? So we should go there and beat them. You'd, you'd hope. Like, it will be loud. Like I've saw. I didn't go to Naples the a few years. What year was it? Twenty twelve. Twenty ten when we played them. At, didn't go over then, but I, I've watched videos of their fans. They are really loud. I'm looking forward to like experiencing that. But as long as we get back with the three points and everybody's safe, I'll be happy. I think we'll wrap it up on that note. Uh, Sean, Dan, Paul, thanks very much for joining me and thanks very much for listening. We'll be back in a couple of weeks after these uh, three mouth-watering games that we've got to come. Thanks for joining us. Cheers. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.